Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. right in and continue our series we're doing a series we're calling it daily can y'all say daily Daily. can you say it one more time all right perfect i appreciate it so with daily we're we're gonna spend five weeks well four more weeks if you count this week just on what it is a christian is called to do daily right and so like there there are things that we expect to be done daily uh that aren't necessarily daily occurrences but there are things in the bible that god would say do this daily. And so last week we talked about being a devoted family. We talked about how the the body of God, Christ, the church has been called to break bread together, to pray together, to be in fellowship together, and to sit around the word together. And how that, uh, how would that build in a community and how from that place God begins to shake a city. It's never from the place of a bunch of anointed people yelling into a microphone. It's from the place of a group of people loving each other. I'm too OCD for this. Uh, It's a group of people loving each other, and that's, that's what's going to lead to a, a city being shaken, because we know that it is Jesus, it is God, who said, uh, they'll know me by your love for one another, and so we know that first and foremost, if we want the world to know Jesus, we first have to love each other, and so people say, like, oh, well, if God's real, where are the miracles, and it's like, well, the miracles are going to come from a church that loves each other, not from a church that loves being recognized, not from a church that loves miracles, a church that loves each other, and loves God, and so from that place where God knows he can trust you, what builds out of that is something unshakable, and uh, there is something daily to it. I don't know what to do about that. It isn't, yeah, it's working itself out over there, and I just, I'm not like emotionally prepared for that. Um, these lights are kind of checkered, and if this thing doesn't stop, I'm just going to ask one of the ushers to turn it off, because I'll stare at it the whole time. Like, oh, God's coming, and like, the, the Lord's moving, and he's not. It's, it's a light. It's the opposite of the Lord moving. Uh, I'm not emotionally prepared for this. But um, so we're going to dive into our second week on this, and we're talking about being in awe and wonder of God. Um, right? So you can see right there, awe and wonder. Uh, so we'll start off with our, like, series verse, um, which is Acts chapter 2, verse 40-something to 47, 42 to 47. Uh, we're just going to read it real quick. And uh, this is the main verse we talked about last week. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread, like, and in prayers. Pause real quick, just real quick for me. Y'all feel like, those of you who were here last week, you feel like, feel like you got that? Because, like, everything else on this message is based upon the fact that we're going to surrender to this. And the reason being is if we can read that one more, one more time. Can you turn that off? <laughs> I'd rather preach in darkness than preach in that thing. Uh, I'm like, you know, I got the light. So I get part, you got the right one, the right try. It's messing with the live feed. Sorry, guys. Uh, Listen, yeah, amen, amen. Devil can't hold me back. Um, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And does someone have a timer for me? Because if not, I will go off the deep end. I appreciate that. Uh, Just start it like, start it at 40. Started at 40. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, why is that important? Next verse. It's Easter all over again, guys. <laughs> all right. Then, uh, Aaron, give me your little wiggles because you're going to go back and forth a couple times. Uh, and what happened? Okay, go, go for it.
Go forward. Can you guys give a round of applause for Aaron? Uh, I really appreciate a church that's going to train someone up and build them up and not just leave them. And, but, but I do need you to go back and forth. Okay, but, but like it's going to go back and forth a couple times. So I need you with me. All right. <laughs> then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So, right, so the main point of today is the then part. Right, because the then fear came upon every soul. What happened first? Well, if we go back a verse... I don't know if we can do, okay, they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So once they were steadfast in doctrine together and once they were in fellowship with one another and once they were breaking bread with each other and once they were praying, then, then, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. God brought miracles and he brought wonders and he brought his presence into a presence of people who loved each other and loved God. And then, right, and we're going to sit there for most of the day, but we'll read the rest of the series verse because I want you all to have it down and know it. So just know that this church, I do believe in the supernatural. I do believe in God moving. I believe in healings, and I believe in signs. I believe they're very much alive today. And when people respond, well, if they're alive today, why isn't it happening more often? My response is because the church doesn't like each other that much. And so why is God going to move in that when he said, and then? Right? And so that's really important for us because I believe we can shake the city. I believe we can do these things. I believe it's going to be awesome. And since today we're going to be talking about the awe and wonder of God, this can't be like a quiet service. This has to be one of those services where we're so moved by what God is doing and we're so in faith and in love of each other going to see people get breakthrough. Then it happens. But why? Because at first you have to learn a selfless love. Because if I loved God so I would get stuff... Then, then the love would never be selfless. But if I have to genuinely love God, and then things begin to happen. What does God build in us, and how genuine is the love and the relationship? Because it wasn't predicated upon anything besides Jesus. And as one wise pastor once said, Jesus is enough. Right? So if, if God never did anything else for us the rest of our lives, but he gave us Jesus, Jesus actually was enough, right? And that, that, would, that would be more than we deserved. And so if that's all I got for the rest of my life is I have the love of Jesus, guess what? That has to be enough. Amen? Because the miracles are predicated upon Jesus. And the breakthrough is predicated upon Jesus. And the cities being shaken are predicated upon Jesus. And our families being whole again is predicated upon Jesus. And our freedom from drugs and things like that, they're predicated on Jesus. And our pride issues and our doubt issues and how to overcome those, those are predicated on Jesus. And my identity issues and my doubts of my grades and my schools and anything you've got going, it all, it all has to be set on the foundation of Jesus. And so if the only thing I ever preached ever again for the rest of my life is Jesus is enough for you, that could be one of that, that is the most profound sermon anyone can ever preach. And so anything else I'm preaching, like today, is just building off of that great and unshakable truth. Amen? And who are we as a church? Well, we're a church that centers around the fact that Jesus is enough for us. And so because Jesus is enough for us, we'll be all things to everyone else. Because I'm so fulfilled, right? Because I, I already have what's enough for me. I'll do anything for you. Amen? And then, verse 44, we'll just keep rolling. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Y'all, that's next week. Get ready. Let's keep rolling. 
I don't have a lot to say on that because that'll just, I'll preach the next sermon. And then I'll be like, okay, guys, we didn't talk about awe and wonder. So let's go back and talk about awe and wonder. And then we'll be out of order. It'll be chaos. And sold their possessions and goods. Is that a tithe message coming? I don't know. And divided them among all as anyone had need. Need. Not want. As anyone had, anyone had need. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, why didn't God give me the Lamborghini I prayed for? Y'all, you didn't have a need for it. You know what I'm saying? My hoopty works just fine. All right, so continuing daily with one accord. Y'all say one accord. Beautiful verse. Uh, but that's more about last week. So, And in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all, with all the people, and the Lord added to the church. Oh, yeah. No, y'all are going to I told you you're going to say that a thousand times. Where'd you get the name for your sermon? How did you know how to name your series? <laughs> wait, wait, it came from the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like daily. So what were they, all the stuff we just read, what were, how often were they doing it? Is that their culture? Is that, is that their culture or is that Daily. You know what? We're going to keep rolling. I appreciate it. I love the heart, and that's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> that was my favorite part of anything I've ever preached, ever. Oh, I love you guys. I love my church. I love every single one of you in this room. I so appreciate that. Daily. You know, I love y'all daily. <laughs> Amen. All it took was that light to turn off, and we were good. Um, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their church all those who are being saved. It took a daily lifestyle to see daily salvation. Amen? And so that is what we'll be talking about for four more weeks, or three and a half if you want to count, like, you know. Um, so today, we're, let's go back a couple verses. Let's go to that awe and wonder verse, just so we can have it on the screen for a second and we can look at it. Um, awe and wonder is not, it's not always being, it's like, you know, you see something so beautiful and amazing, you're just like, wow. It's always having the heart like that, right? Being in awe and wonder of God and having the fear of the Lord upon you. Um, we, something that, that we have to understand about God, and that's going forward in this entire talk, is how big and how great and how unknowable, yet he's made himself known, God is. And so then fear came upon every soul. Now, perfect love casts out all fear, right? And so this isn't talking about a terrified um, fear. This isn't a, a doubtful fear. This isn't a fear that makes you shy away, right? Uh, this word translates better to a reverent fear, right? The kind of fear that a good parent, let's say good parent, because some of us didn't have that, but a kid has towards a good parent, right? Because, you know, when I was a kid, and I, I, had, I had a good dad. You know, and, and I did something wrong. There was a, there was a reverent fear that came on me, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, actually, forget it. I'm married, you know. Sometimes I do dumb stuff, and there's a reverent fear that comes on me. Like, my wife is going to wreck me, and it's going to be awesome. But that love doesn't come from a doubt of her love for me. That love comes from a, I know, I know her better than anyone. 
she knows me better than anyone. And so, like, I understand the verse. Like, like I think of my wife, and it's probably out of context. No, it is out of context. But when God said, when Jesus says, like, don't fear those who can break flesh and blood, but, but fear those who can destroy your soul, like, I think of my, I'm just kidding. Um, but, like, that kind of fear of, like, no, she, she, see, see, y'all can say stuff about me. You can beat me up, but she can hurt me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She can hurt me in a way that none of y'all can hurt me, right? Um, and that's just, that's just a fact. And there's a reverent fear that comes from that. Uh, so anyone who's married, you understand. Um, but then fear came upon any, every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That is like a reverent. It's, okay, you know what word is so underused in society? Like, no, sorry, it's overly used. Awesome. Right? Awesome. Let's look at someone and say awesome. He's getting them involved. I know, right? Look at the other person and say Awesome. Just say it, right? Because awesome is one of the most, it's like, that's just, I just say that. Like, oh, that was awesome. Like, oh, what happened? Oh, I, my wife made a brownie. I thought it was awesome. Like, awesome is like awe-inspiring, <laughs> right? Like, like, this is like, I am in awe. Do you know what awe is? Like, you, you ever seen something so amazing or so beautiful or so terrible that you just, you're speechless? You're just like, I, I don't know what to say to that, you know? Um, you know, you ever, there's some people that, what, that's why they love going out in nature, going under the stars at night and looking up at the sky. And some people would say, like, that is so awe-inspiring, right? Or they see, you go to those big wet, uh, redwood forests, and you go into them, and people are just like, this is amazing. And it's like, I don't have the right word for this. And it's like, well, the word's awesome. We just use it too much, right? Um, but, but in modern context, see, God is, God is awesome right? He inspires awe in the presence of his people. And actually, he inspires awe in the presence of people who don't like him that much, (laughs) you know? Uh, I can tell you the reason why I'm saved is because when I was running from God, I had an encounter with him. And it was such an awe-inspiring thing that I couldn't go back from that moment. And I couldn't leave that moment behind, so I had to embrace that moment. And for me, that's a big thing. I got saved by myself on a hill looking over Vegas and, and, and I was just on my knees, and, and God met me there. And that's actually how I found him. You know, it was just an awe-inspiring moment, a moment where I couldn't explain away God, and I couldn't explain what was going on because God was just too big for that moment. And a lot of times when we struggle in life or when we struggle in society or we struggle with our own person, personal issues, it's, it's an awe issue, right? Because the, the thing that people say a lot that I believe is 100% true, they say there is a God-sized hole in every person. And so what we do is we try our best to fill it, but nothing can satisfy us. Uh, there's, there's a man who wrote a book, and it's called The Eagle Has Landed. And this man, he, the book, he, I forget his name, but I know the name of the book. And the book was so successful. The book sold so much that he made so much money. That this guy owns an island now. He owns a dang island because of a book. Like, I want to be an author. Uh, he owns an island because of a book. And someone went to the island because, you know, he didn't come to them. They went to the island, and they asked him questions. It was an interview. And someone asked this man, if you could go back and tell your, your younger self anything that you've learned along the way, what would you tell yourself? And he said, I would tell myself that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. And he got everything he had ever dreamed of. He got everything he was fighting for. But the problem was he was filling a God-sized hole. And so he's at a level in life that everyone says, I'd be so satisfied if I was there. And he's depressed from his own mouth, right? Because he's looking for something to fill what only an awe-inspiring God can fill, 
right? He's looking for something that's going to blow him away in such a way that only God can blow us away. Amen? And so what happens is Jesus says, they'll know me by your love for one another. And so as people begin to love each other, they begin to see God. And when they begin to see God, they begin to have a fear. And that fear is a reverent understanding. Like I said, I can understand what my wife can do to me, <laughs> you know, and I also understand what she'd do for me. And that reverent awe, that reverent fear of God led to people having such an understanding of who he was that miracles flowed out of that, right? <sighs> they did a study, uh, and I don't know who they are. Uh, I forget the name of the group. Uh, and it was a study on being in awe. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a Bible group. So what they did is they, they put people together, and they did like a, they showed one group of people like a video of like the universe, as far as we know. If you've ever seen that video, it's like terrifying. <laughs> you know, it makes you realize how small you are, you know. And, and they're watching that video, and, and there was, I think they said 50 people in the room, and they gave 10 people lottery tickets that, that for sure had winning prizes on it. And... They gave them enough for everyone, but only 10 people got it. And then another room of people went in, and they, they I don't know what they watched. It was a regular video. It was like a, kind of like a, you know, come watch this, and you get, you get $10,000. Like, <laughs> yeah, one of those timeshare things. And so one group got to see the universe, and the other group got to see timeshare stuff. And they said to the 10 people, you can either give that out or you can keep it for yourself. And the room of people that had, saw the universe, 40% more of them gave than the people in this room. And they actually learned that when people are in a place of awe, they're more generous. So why is the church the most generous place in the world, or why is it supposed to be? Right, because our God is the only thing that's truly awe-inspiring. Right, and so then they did a study. Oh, no, the study doesn't stop. Right, so then they continue, and they, they, uh, they take people, um, they took people out to these, a group of people out by the Redwoods that I was talking about. Right, and then as the group is looking at it, and the guy's explaining their history, there's this little thing where a man would walk by and drop a pen, right? And then another group of people went to a regular building, kind of like in New York, and had the same study, right? And the people, <laughs> the people who were by the Redwoods were more likely to pick up the pen and help someone than the people by a regular building. And it was because the, th the thing was, those who were in awe were more communal. And what they think is, when they asked these people, they came, like, it made me realize how small I was and how much I needed people. Right? And so here's the thing about God. God lets us see him in love. God lets us interact with him. And there is a loving aspect of God that is completely untouchable. But he's so big. And from that place of awe, statistically, that's why the church should be the most generous and loving place. Right? And so literally, this is scientists not trying to prove God, just trying to say, why are people, why are some people more generous than others? And they came to the conclusion that these people who are more in tune with nature or more in tune with something that would blow your mind they were more likely to be generous and giving and loving to their neighbors. Cue the church. Right? So why should we be the most generous and the most loving? Because who can be more awe-inspired than us? Who can see something greater than we can see? You understand, when I go into my secret place and I pray before God, I'm in the presence of something that would make the rest of the world shatter. Right? Why? When Isaiah was before God and God appeared to him, what did Isaiah scream out? I am a ruin, for I have seen the face of God. He was terrified, and he panicked, right? Because there was something so big about God that we don't quite understand, right? 
And you go, you go into heaven, and this is actually an Elder Pavel nugget. You go into heaven, and there's the four living creatures around God, and there's the 24 elders, and they're worshiping God, right? It's a cool aspect of the story. It lets you see kind of what's going on in heaven. And the Bible says that they'll look up, and they'll see God. And what they do is they look up, and they see God. They fall on their face and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it says that the elders fall to their knees and throw their crowns to the feet of God. And then after that moment settles, they get back up, and they look at him. And they see him, and they fall to their face and say, holy, holy, holy. And the Bible says they do this day and night and night and day. It's an eternal thing. Elder Pavel pointed out, I think what's happening is they're seeing a different aspect of God every time. If God is eternal and unknowable in his completion, that means there's something they're seeing that they didn't see before about God. Because God's eternal, and he's unknowable. And so what there is, they're in the presence of God, and no matter how, you can't get used to it if it's real. But what churches do is they get you around a moment that makes, okay, here's the moment where God's going to show up. And so it's an emotional thing and not an experiential thing, right? It's an emotional thing and not a relational thing. And so we get desensitized. And we say, you know, the church just isn't touching me like it used to touch me. Well, it's because you're not going into the presence of God like you used to go into the presence of God. And, and maybe it was an emotion, and that emotion was supposed to lead you to something greater and something bigger, but we didn't let it because it made us uncomfortable. And by the way, if it, you're uncomfortable going into the presence of God, that's okay, but I would encourage you to pray about it and let God teach you because here, here's the thing. You can't be consistent until you're consistent with God. You can't find peace until you find God, and, and maybe some reason why we, we feel such a big lack of peace is because we don't go to God every day. How often? Daily. He's not getting a prayer message. Oh, yeah. Those of you who know me know this is about to go into the secret place, heavy message. Um, I want to read you a section of scripture, and for the last 20 minutes, we will focus on that section of scripture, and specifically how awe and wonder relates to our daily life. Um, keep the things we've talked about in mind, because they make sense. If awe makes people more generous, that would make sense why the next verse after awe and wonder was, and then they gave, right? And so if, if love for one another leads to an experience with God, which leads to awe and wonder, which leads to miracles, which leads to giving, which leads to salvation, right? That was, that's the whole series I just went over with you guys, right? It's a cycle because of what happens when people get saved. Well, then you walk with them in love, and then you watch them as they experience God and as they fall into awe and as they begin to give and be selfless with each other, and then you see them bring people to salvation. And then because you're, you're their leader, you're going to walk with them. And, you're gonna, and now there's three generations, and you're going to watch them get into community, and you're going to watch them love each other, and you're going to watch them learn to love God, and you're going to watch them get in awe of God, and then you're going to watch them begin to get selfless and give, and then people are going to get saved from that. Now we're at four generations. And see how the church can be healthy if the problem is we get tired of the cycle. Man, I'm just so sick of these young people. They keep coming in, and they just they don't get surrendered to God. Well, it's because they're on step one, and you're on step four, right? And you got to walk with them you got to walk with them even when you don't want to. And the problem is, if you feel that way, you forgot step one. And so maybe you got to go back to step one. And maybe that's why God takes us through that cycle to remind us again, who do you love? Do you love him because he's doing right before me? Or do you love him because I called you to love him? Right? Awe and wonder. If we don't lose our awe, if we don't lose our wonder of God, all these other things will work out perfectly, I promise. Oh, yeah, the verse. John, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. I think we're going to verse 25 or 26. 
Yeah, hey, by the way, shout out to Aaron again. That was fast. Hey, this is only like, hey, this is only like week two. You know what? I love it. You're doing great. Now it happened. What happened? I don't know yet. Uh, on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. Uh, if anyone had to guess, who's he? You know, the problem with this light being off is I want to take a nap now. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's like right in like, this is what, this is the light that like lets me know we're doing great. I'm so sad about that. We need a light. Um, anyway, oh, okay, I'm going to stand by this light. Uh, now it happened on a certain day that he, Jesus, got into a boat. Can you say boat? You see the importance of the boat. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, people do that. Um, with his disciples. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. <laughs> but as they sailed, he fell asleep. Who's he? Jesus was human. Amen. <laughs> he was tired. He's been doing ministry all day. Which, by the way, can I give you guys a word? Those of you who are all do, 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 do. Take a nap. Just take a dang nap. But you don't understand my schedule. You're too busy. You're busier than Jesus. And that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. He's taking a nap right now. And there's a storm. And people are, like, blowing up. And he's, he's going to get his nap in. And then he's going to handle things. Like, you're allowed to take a nap, right? You're allowed to take a break. Like, don't be afraid. Yeah, can I get a shot? I took a nap yesterday. No. <laughs> but as they sit, my wife's out of town. Normally she doesn't let me nap. She's, she's a busybody. You know what I'm saying? So I got to be like, baby, take a nap. I'll do this. And then I'm like, wait a second. It's a trap. Um, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. What is? Excuse me, was that jeopardy? But as they sailed, oh, did we already read that? Yeah, keep going. You're good. You're right. I'm wrong, bro. Keep going. Oh, no. Okay, it was going so well. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. Now it's nap time. Amen. I gave a shout for naps. <laughs> On the seventh day, God rested. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but he said to them, where is your faith? Real quick, this isn't the point of the message, but if we're here, why not talk about it? It's a lack of faith to be unwilling to rest during your storm. Amen? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? Real quick, Peter's going to say Jesus is the Messiah in two chapters. So they actually haven't acknowledged Jesus is the Messiah yet. Right? So this is, the, this is where the wheel starts turning. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yo, the storm just stops. You know, if you look at that word for storm, like we think like a windstorm, uh, that word actually translates better to earthquake. And that actual particular lake is actually known for having earthquakes. And so there was probably a storm and an earthquake at the same time. I mean, it's a good time to panic if there's any time to panic. But Jesus said, where's your faith? Like, are you kidding me? You, the, the boat was like, are you, were you there? Yeah, I was. Um, and they were afraid and marveled. Can y'all say marveled? That word marveled is the word for awe. It's the word for, no, I'm not going there. It's the word for ah, and it's the word for wonder, and it's that same word that means reverent fear, because depending on your translation, they all translate the same way, because everyone, the word is fear. But to modern, the modern ear, we get the wrong term. Fear is like a horror movie, right? And so we say reverence, but there is still an element of fear to it. It's a recognition of God being so big that he could literally do anything to me, right? 
like, it's healthy to recognize that God loves you on a personal level, but it's also recognize, it's also healthy to recognize that, like, you're kind of like an ant in the presence of, you know, and recognize, but, it, but it's a person who loved an ant so much that you would do anything for that ant, and you would die for that ant, like, then it's irrelevant, but, it, but it's still, like, correct, you know, um, not to say you're worthless as a bug, but you get what I'm saying. Just in the cosmic scale of God to us. Um, saying to one another, who can this be that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Sounds like Old Testament stuff. The wheel's taking it. Was it Yahweh who split the sea and the storm and the, who stopped the sun? And that was Yahweh? What is this guy doing? Right? Because, you know, I, miracle healers, they were actually kind of around at that time. But there was no one being like, yeah, the storm's going to stop. No, I'm saying. Uh, but he said to them, okay, wait, do we have one more verse or was that it? One more? 26? That's the end of it? I thought so, but I was just so confident that it was a weird exclamation point. Even the winds and the water obey him. Dear Lord in heaven, bless these next 14 minutes and 57 seconds. God, we believe in you. We love you. God, I pray that you would anoint me for these last moments. God, anoint the people in this room to receive you, God, to be in awe and wonder of your greatness, of your glory, and of your majesty, God. And may we never lose track of the fact that your ways are higher than our ways. Amen. Um, do you have someone in your life, and this is, this is actually going to be really relevant because it's like, it's how, the reason why I tell these kind of stories is because when I'm reading the Bible, it's like how God kind of talks to me. You know, like, I understand things through story. Like, if a teacher tells me two plus two equals four, I already forgot it, right? But if she tells me the story of, like, two people each living in a home, and then one home broke down, so two people had to live, now there are four people in the house, I'm like, okay, two plus two is four. Like, so that's the kind of person I am. And so whenever God begins to talk to me, I begin to see it in relevance to life stories that have happened in my life. And so in the, if you ever had maybe a figure in your life, like a father figure or a mother figure, that when you were little, you thought they could do anything. You really could. Do you remember when you were in school? And this, I, I, I found this is actually a pretty normal thing. Like all the kids around each other saying, my dad can beat up your dad. Remember that story? I remember one time there was a kid that told me his dad could beat up my dad. He's like, my dad bench pressed 1,000 pounds. And everyone was like, oh. And like, I didn't know anybody. I was like, oh, my God, can my dad do that? I don't know. And then so I just decided I'm going to win this regardless. And, and I said, yeah, my dad can drink an entire gallon of milk in one sitting. And that most people would say, well, that's not better than 1,000 pounds. But the crowd around me cheered, so I won. You know what I'm saying? And that was it. And I was like, yeah, well, my dad can drink a gallon of milk in one try. And they're like, no, he can't. And I was like, yeah, he can't. I'll bring him tomorrow. He'll show you. And then we all forgot. But do you remember those arguments? The problem with that is when we're a kid, we actually believe that our parents can do that. Like, it's not actually from a place of ignorance. It's just from a place of, like, well, I saw my dad pull milk out of the milk cart, like, and just drink it one time. He was like, don't tell your mom. And then he drank out of the gallon, which I still do it to this day. And it makes teacher angry all the time. And I'm like, don't tell my wife. And so, <laughs> which, she's not here tonight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, which, pray for the Russians, by the way. Uh, there was a funeral, and that's why they're all out of town. Um, anyway, back to my dad can beat up your dad. Um, and so, but, but we genuinely believe it, you know? Isaac always tells a story that makes me laugh of his dad, like, jumping up on a stool to get face-to-face -face with someone. And I'm sure Isaac, as his son, was just like, he's going to win. Like, but I feel like if you got to jump on a stool, you're, you're not going to, like, you know what I'm saying? I feel that personally, but Isaac, no, he's going to win the fight. And, like, you know, and, but, like, some of our parents, some of the kids are right. Like, 
like when Ernest walks in the room, like I have that with Ernest. I still think he can beat anyone up. You know what I'm saying? And there's challenges after church. No, I'm just kidding. But like, I'm just like convinced. Like, so when he stands by the door, I'm like, someone could walk in with a nuke and we're going to be fine. Like, you know? <laughs> went off in my pocket. It was crazy. Uh, but right, but we have those people in our lives. But, and that may seem, it's kind of unhealthy because what happens eventually is we get let down, right? Eventually that figure can't stand up, right? And, uh, and we'll, we'll take that with God too. But we have to understand that we have a God. I love the way Francis Chan says it. He says, we have a God that we can't over-exaggerate, right? And so your dad really can beat up anyone's dad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the point Jesus was making when he was like, hey, don't fear them. They can just hurt your body. Jesus can destroy your soul, right? And it's like, that's a weird threat. But, like, that's a real one. And that's like, my dad can beat. I mean, have you read the, we picture Armageddon at the end of times, right? It's like God showing up and Satan and the devil and Jesus, and they're all, like, sword fighting, and it's like a war. But if you actually read the Bible, it says they show up, and they just win. Like, it's not a war. It's a mop-up, right? It's, it's going to be, it's going to be terrible, right? It's just, he's just going to come through and clean house. And the big war of all time is going to be one of the most anticlimactic things in history because it's not this big fight on good versus evil. It's just good showing up and evil's like, oh, wait a second. And that's it. That's the whole battle. I just, in that span of time that I took to say it, that's the span of time it took to be over, right? It's anticlimactic because God is that big and we can't exaggerate God. But I remember when I was a kid, and my, uh, I was getting bullied in the neighborhood that I was in, you know? And my, uh, a kid, like 13, I was like, I don't know, like eight or nine at the time. And he was 13 and he bullied me and he picked on me and he made fun of me. And then one day, he fought me. And I did not win that fight, for the record, right? And so I'm on my back, the guy's on top of me, and what do you think I yelled? Get my dad, right? Dad! He came out the door. <laughs> and the kid looked up. And this is, this is pre-Jesus, my dad. And he grabs a 13-year-old kid, and I'm cheering, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. And he's like, quiet. And I'm just like, and he, he starts talking to the kid, telling the kid what's up. I'm like, that's right. And he's like, quiet. And he's like trying to keep it down. He's like, shut up. You're making it worse. And I'm like making it worse because I'm not worried, right? Why am I not worried? Dad's got this, right? I'm not even, I'm not even kind of worried. Like, and I picked the fight, but that's not important. Um, but I also won the fight. Like, that's just life. My dad's bigger. And uh, <laughs> so, so he's young. And this is, what, this is what my dad says as a 13-year-old kid. He goes, I want to tell you something. If something happens to my son, I don't care when or where, I'm coming for you. I got a security guard that day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it worked. It really worked. None of them ever picked on me again. But he said that. And uh, he said that to the kid. And how do you think the next day, how do you think I walked outside? Humble before the Lord. No, I was just. Right? Like, welcome to my neighborhood, everybody. What's up? Right? But, like, but that's the problem is that's actually the Bible. Like, Jesus showed up and beat death and then said, no one's going to overcome my church because I'm too big for them. And he goes, here, go on out. It's your world. It's your oyster. Go win people to me. And so we have this thing where we're like, oh, we can't go there because the principality and the spirits are so strong. I don't think you've met my dad. And see, that's the problem is we only think, we can only be convinced that 
principalities and powers are strong if we lose track of who dad is. Right? That's important. Jesus is sleeping on a boat. One other person in all of history has slept on a boat. You know who that is? Jonah. In rebellion. Why is he sleeping on the boat? Because even though he was in rebellion, he still knew who his God was. Can I encourage you guys with something real quick? Some of you shy away from God when you've done wrong. Or you feel like, I'm too sinful to go before God. And and you know that actually is not going to change anything. God's still going to love you the same. And the sooner you go, the sooner you're healed. And, but Jonah had an understanding of that. He knew, right, why. This guy, God said, go do this. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going this way. And he ran in the opposite direction and slept in the middle of a storm because he knew how good his God was. See, Jonah didn't want to go speak the message he was supposed to preach. Why? Because God said, oh, tell them if they don't repent, I'm going to destroy them. No, he actually, he says, tell them I will destroy them. He doesn't even bring up repent. And Jonah says, I don't want to tell them that because they'll repent. And God's so loving, he'll, he'll, he'll be nice to them. And so he leaves. So he's in rebellion because he knows God. And he feels safe because he knows God. And when the storm's raging, they say, what are we going to do? He says, throw me over. And everyone says, no, we can't throw you over. You worship God. And we don't want God mad at us. And then they throw him over, and he's just peaceful there. And he gets eaten by a whale, and he's laying in the whale. And y'all, the dude didn't pray for three days because he knew his God. This is something you have to understand. Even in the depths of Jonah's rebellion, he was so safe because he was still a child of God. Right? Now, let's flip it. Jesus is doing right with God, and he's sleeping just as soundly because God's character doesn't change. Even when you're faithless, still I'll be faithful. It doesn't change, right? Which is, un- in one sense, it's like unfortunate because it's like as a loving son, it-, it makes you mad when you see someone take advantage of your dad. You know, someone you respect when they get taken advantage of, there's an anger in there towards you that I have, you know? And so like I get upset <laughs> when I see people just, oh, God's going to bless me anyway, and he will, you know? I mean, it's going to be a long way around, and there's going to be some rebukes, and things are going to happen, but you don't understand that God's still going to look after you. And so I don't tell people that so they can go do their thing, but some of you will take it that way. I tell you that so that you know today, if you feel called to run back to God, he wasn't mad at you then, and he's not mad at you now, right? God took the fullness of his wrath out on Jesus on the cross. You have to understand something. If you've accepted Jesus into your life, he has no more wrath in him towards you. He can't, or it means the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't wasn't fulfilling. He didn't take your sins before you knew Jesus and then accepted you. He took all of your sins, even the ones you committed after you said, Jesus is my Lord, right? Why? Be in awe. Your God is that good, right? Your God is that great. Your God is that majestic, and he's that big, and he's that wide, and he's that vast. And there's, there's, no, there's, there's no death. There's no life. There's no power. There's no principality. There's nothing today. There's nothing tomorrow, and there's nothing yesterday that can separate you from his love because God is that good. And when we get a recognition of his goodness, we get a recognition of his greatness, right? And so we'll look, if, if you, some people believe God is good, but they don't believe he's great. And that's why when you go through struggles, you'll believe God loves you, but you'll still fall apart. And the reason we still fall apart is because we don't believe God's going to show up. We'll say we believe it, but we don't believe it. Goodness is I know God wants to help. Greatness is I know God will help. 
Amen? We look at the disciples, and they're panicking in their storm. Jesus has already declared it's a lack of faith. Why are they panicking? They don't know who he is yet. They didn't know he was the Messiah yet. Go look at the story. They haven't said that. Peter's going to talk about it two chapters later. And so because they didn't know who God was, they didn't know how to traverse their storm. Listen to me. This is important as I kind of begin to land the plane, right? The reason why this is so utterly important is because when, when we know who God is, we learn who we are. And we're so struggling and so fighting, and the, the biggest cry out is, I don't know who I am. I don't know my identity. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know, right? That's the big thing. If you ask someone, I used to ask the young adults, what do you want me to preach on? The number one question would be something like, why am I here? But it's not about who you are. It's about who he is because I learn who I am in the process, right? If the Bible says I was made in God's image, then my identity is wrapped in his. And if, and if as a Christian, Christian means Christ-like, then my identity is wrapped in Jesus, and so I don't learn who I am before God until I learn who God is. And so the reason why I believe the church has a hard time doing something like being generous is not because we have a generosity issue. It's because we don't really believe God's as generous as we preach he is. Because if I knew he was that generous, I knew I could give anything and he would show up anyway. Right? The reason why I don't pray healing over people is because I have a doubt in my heart that God would heal me. Right? So what we do, we have to get to the place where we recognize how big God is. And what's going to happen is if we do a daily thing, if we renew our mind daily before God and just recognize again, God, remind me again how good you are. God, I'm going to come into your presence again. Every day. It will radically alter how you live that day. Because even though love, amen, even though love can't before people knowing Jesus, once I know Jesus, my relationship comes before the love, right? Why do you know God? How did you find Jesus? Well, my story as a church, people that knew God loved me, and me learning God was inevitable, and then I couldn't learn to love them right until I loved God, and then the love happened, right? So it began with love, but, it, but then it starts to begin every day from that point on with personal relationship. Why do we struggle? Because we forget how big God is. Why do we doubt? Because we forget how big God is. Why do we believe powers and principalities have any right in our room? Because we forget how big God is. You can either be in awe of God or you can be in awe of the enemy. And I promise you, you'll be in awe of one or the other. Because when you think your struggle's too big, you're in awe of how great the enemy is right? Whether you know it or not. And I'm not saying you're, Satan's so strong. That's not what you're saying, right? See, Satan's sneaky, right? And that is, you're not openly worshiping Satan, but you accidentally begin to worship the situation. And who's ruling that situation? So you got to handle like Jesus did. How did Jesus want the disciples to react? Sit. But the boat was rocking, yeah. God's goodness and, and being in awe of him, it will not change the storm. It'll just change how you go through it. Amen. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that you begin to bless them.
God, I pray we would see how good you are. We would see how big you are, Father God. That God, in the situations in our lives, Father God, that the enemy has tried to convince us that he's bigger than, that he's more than, Father God. I pray we would see you for who you are, God. Big, great, mighty, and strong. Lord, I praise you. And I pray we'd have a heart to you. And God, I rebuke the theology that says the enemy has every right in my church. I rebuke the theology that says he can't go there because there's a principality there. And you got to be careful because there's spirits that are strong over there. I rebuke that, that theology in the name of Jesus. I say we come onto the theology that you are bigger than anything going on. God, we love you and we praise you. And we know no matter what comes against us, our dad can beat up theirs. And in Jesus' name I say, <laughs> amen.